If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You're about to miss out. It is time. It is time for you to start sharing the knowledge you already have and get paid for it. Amy Porterfield's signature program, Digital Course Academy, is open and welcoming in a fresh class of students for a short amount of time. And trust me when I say you're going to want to be one of them. This program taught me everything I know about creating, selling, launching, and automating online courses. Courses that have made me millions of dollars, but beyond that, courses that have given me the time, freedom, and impact that I crave. Enroll today and get started at jennacutcher.com forward slash DCA. Plus, when you join the Digital Course Academy with my link, I am also giving you an entire Jenna Kutcher bonus experience. I've literally thought through everything that you would want from me to help you implement and get success fast with Amy's system. It's like the queen of courses, Amy, and the queen of simplification, me, teamed up to ensure that you follow through, implement, and have every tool in your toolkit. I'm talking templates, private trainings, insights into my own launches, and so much more, all waiting for you free when you join DCA. Time is running out. Head to jennacutcher.com forward slash DCA to get your course and my special bonus offer before the doors close on September 28th. Again, that's jennacutcher.com forward slash DCA. She walked in and she was like, hey, do you want to break your water? And I was like, oh, I had no idea that was an option. And she's like, let's do it. Let's get things going, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It was just like, let's go. Party started. And I know your efficiency. You're like, let's get it done. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. All right, here we go again, babe. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It's, <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while. It's almost like we have to like have a baby to have you on or something. I guess. Only <laughs> special moments. So today we are so excited to share about our sweet baby girl's birth. Do you want to share her name with the world? 
Her name is Quinn Louise. She is the cutest little thing. She's actually sitting with us while we record. So we're going to blame any coos or toots on the baby while we record. And she's so cute. She's just staring at mommy right now. She's like, I love you, mom. Or she's like, give me the boob. Okay, so we recorded an episode after Conley was born. And it's probably one of our favorite episodes. And honestly, it's one of the most downloaded episodes of our show ever. Isn't that kind of wild? It's probably dad. It's probably me being here. So (laughs) don't take all the credit. I did a lot of the work. But I love doing these because I feel like you think you're going to remember everything and then it's all a crazy blur. So we learned a few things from last time around, which included Drew taking extensive notes of timing and things that went down. And we have that in front of us today, as well as some questions that you guys sent in for us to answer. So are you ready? It was extensive as uh, as much as I was awake. We'll, we'll get to more <laughs> of that later, but as much as I could fill in was there. Oh, we'll get to the good part. Okay. Well, let's dive on in. And really quickly, I've shared a little bit about my pregnancy on the podcast. I didn't go into a ton of detail, but this pregnancy went by really fast. I feel like, especially compared to Coco's, where we were so anticipating and curious and unsure of how everything would pan out out. This pregnancy went by really quick. So did it go by fast for you? Yeah, super fast. Just having Coco running around and chasing her. But we also had like all of the equipment needed at home. Like last time we were like preparing for having all that. But now we're like, I think mentally and we were just kind of, we already did this and we were busy (laughs) and yeah, just different. We also chose, again, to not know if we were having a boy or a girl, which is something that we love. And honestly, something I kind of had to convince Drew of the first time because he is more of like a planner, would you say? It surprises me because you're more of a control freak. You're the business owner. You're the one that has, you know, all the stuff always planned out. So it surprised me that you wanted to be surprised. And I was like, well, if you're down. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love not knowing. It drives people crazy, I think. But I love, I don't know. It's just like one of the last big surprises of your life. So we didn't know if she was going to be a girl or a boy. And honestly, with Coco, I had this intuition from the very beginning that she was a girl. And this time around, I literally did not have any feelings, which made me think, she might have been a boy. Like there's a couple different things where I was like, maybe this just means she's a boy. I didn't have any intuition. The biggest difference is pregnancy wise. My skin was clear this time compared to last time. Last time my skin was a disaster, like a hormonal disaster. It was really painful. And especially to postpartum, it was rough. And my skin was really normal this time around. Thank you, Primal Leap here. And then I'm trying to think of any other differences. I I had heartburn the same, I'd say. You had it worse this time. You think so? You weren't as, you didn't have as like sick feelings. You weren't as nauseous. She does have a lot of hair. So they say if your baby has a lot of hair, you have heartburn. But you are right. I wasn't as nauseous with Coco. I was sick up until like 20 weeks. And this time around, either I was too busy to be sick or I just wasn't as sick. So we had, so when we look at our family's guesses, so we did like a poll between our closest family and my team and our friends. And it was probably 80% thinking boy, 20% girl. What did you guess? I guess girl, but I also wasn't hundred percent sold on my own guess because I couldn't, I couldn't feel it either way either. I was kind of lost, but I, I think 
I secretly wanted to have two girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guessed girl as well. And it's so funny, too, because everyone in our family was literally like trying to hedge your butts. Like my head says boy, but my heart says girl or like things like that, where it's like nobody really had a strong feeling on this one. So anyways, let's get into leading up to my due date. So when the day that I found out, and this is something I highly recommend to anyone, especially if you've dealt with pregnancy loss and you're struggling to connect to a pregnancy. The day I found out I was pregnant with Coco, I actually started a Word document and I just started typing letters to her. And this is something that I continue to do through this pregnancy. And it was funny because I was actually reading the letters I wrote to Coco towards the end of my pregnancy with her. And I was so anxious and eager to get her out. So it was like starting at 36 weeks, I was like, you're going to come soon. You're going to come soon. And the joke was on me because she came past 41 weeks. So this time around, I was way, I will say I was way more chill. Super. You were like very much relaxed. (laughs) Almost too relaxed where Drew was like probably more ready than I was. Yeah. I was like, let's do this thing. And you're like, no, you know what? I'm, I'm fine. (laughs) I think so. I think there was a few factors. I was working on a really big work project that we're going to be sharing about soon. And so like deadlines were pretty close to the due date. So I felt like I needed more time there. I also felt like I needed more mental time this time because you know, towards the end of pregnancy, you're like feeling uncomfortable and everything and all of that is normal. But I also feel like you recognize like this baby is a lot easier on the inside. And so and I was still getting relatively good sleep minus my like insomnia in the middle of the night. Let's uh, let's think about that again. She's actually been really relaxed oh. outside of the body. Yeah, too. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to that too. But like, you know, I don't know. I think when you've been through childbirth and the postpartum period, you know, it's okay. So I was way more relaxed. So leading up to my due date, we started doing like the OB checks at 36 weeks. And with Coco, I did not dilate at all. So wait, full disclaimer, we're going to use some terminologies like that I hate. But hopefully, if you're listening to this, you like birth stories, and I'll try to keep out any of like the weird terms. But anyways, I didn't dilate at all with Coco. And that was really frustrating. I left one of my appointments like crying because I was like, my body is not responding. This time around, I was at like one centimeter at 36 weeks. And I was so pumped because I was like, okay, my body remembers were at least like further than we ever got to with Coco. So that was exciting. But I also wasn't getting super anxious in that thinking like, oh, the baby's going to come any day. So I was really, really chill. We kind of made a plan around we're going to go as full term as we can. We're going to schedule an induction for being overdue because I think that was really frustrating for me with Coco because she came, it was like nine, nine ish days late and we didn't really have that plan in place. So it just felt like I was going to be pregnant forever. And we also had to adjust our birth plan in the last month when the COVID procedures changed and they were only allowing one support person and a certified doula. So do you want to share about what we did with that? No, you don't. Okay. Sorry, I was thinking about Coco. Are we watching her right now? Oh, yeah. She's on my monitor. No, no, no. You're good. I ha- oh. <laughs> we have Coco on a monitor. We have the baby next to us. I can't hear it. I was like, is Coco all right? Yeah. We're, we've are we got parenting down, Pat. Okay. So- <laughs> Sorry. 
Sorry, we're fine. like we're delirious. Okay, so the COVID procedures changed about a month in advance, and we found out that you can only have one support person and a certified doula. So we were talking to my mom because my mom was with us when Coco was born. And we just loved having her with us. And we were kind of joking with her and we were like, would you get doula certified? And she was like, yeah. And like that day she sent us like an online course that she was going to take and she was totally willing to do it and to pay for it so that she could be there with us. And that was something that was one, really like we treasured that she was willing to do all of that. But two, it just kind of gave us peace of mind going into the birth. And let's be honest, Drew needed the doula more than I, which we'll talk about. But like, why did you want my mom in the room? Because I absolutely hate hospitals. I just, (laughs) I walk in and I just instantly get sick to my stomach. I've always had like a fear of clinics and hospitals and anything like, I don't know, just not my thing. So I was like, yeah, you probably want your mom in there, but I really (laughs) need your mom in there to uh, keep me upright as much as she can. And I'm like, you have to be in there, Nana, please. You guys have such a cool relation. You have a very rare mother-in-law relationship. Like, honestly, I genuinely don't know anybody that has the type of relationship that you and my mom have, which is really cool. She's just very like adaptive to who we are and who I am and my quirks. And she just understands. She's very good at understanding people's emotions and what makes them tick. And I don't know. She's just a great, a great mother for you. But she really took me in and has been, I don't know, we're we're pretty tight. I love your mom. <laughs> You're very tight. So we kind of made our plan that we would do an induction at 41 weeks if the baby hadn't come yet. And we should note too that I did have a minor complication with my pregnancy. So at our 20-week appointment, we found out that we have what was called marginal cord insertion, which basically means your umbilical cord attaches to the very margin of your placenta. And it's actually fairly common. I think it's like in 10% of pregnancies. And most of the time, it doesn't affect anything. It can affect how long the baby can stay in utero based on if the baby falls off the growth curve because there are concerns around the baby getting the right amount of nutrients. So we assumed we'd have a pretty small baby and we had to do a follow-up at 32 weeks because she was measuring in the 20th percentile. But in the time between our 20-week and our 32-week appointment, she went up to the 50th percentile, which meant it was safe for us to carry her to term. So we didn't want to go far past 41 weeks just because we were surprised that we could make it to that point because there was a point in our pregnancy where I thought she was going to come really early. And then there was also a point in our pregnancy where I thought they were for sure going to induce around 38 weeks. So we had all of those factors. So 41 weeks felt like, all right, we'll try to get to that point. And if we get there, then we'll induce. And I felt, I actually felt really good about it. You personally would schedule an induction every single time if you could. Yeah, it's just nice knowing when you're going in, what to prepare for. Mentally, I really like just like when we're going in, having the bags packed in. Who's the control freak here? Both of us. <laughs> uh, but really, Drew Drew was like, I, I really hope you just get induced. And honestly, it's so funny to me because... While we were approaching the end of our pregnancy, there was a couple of my friends that were pregnant for the first time that were going way overdue and they were really scared of being induced. And I honestly, I mean, it's been our experience now, but there are a lot of perks of it. So like you don't have the mad dash to the hospital. You can kind of like get ready, take a bath the night before, make sure your bags are packed. It's like a leisurely experience of like, it feels like you're checking into a hotel and you leave with a baby. Like, you know, you're going to leave with a baby. You're not in false labor. A hotel with the least comfortable beds ever. 
True. We do not give those a five out of five star rating. So yeah. So anyways, we made it to 40 weeks and I did, here's a terminology thing. I hate this term so much. We did two membrane sweeps. So one at 39 and one at 40. And for those who don't know what that is, it's just a way to induce things. You separate the amniotic sac from your uterus. It's so gross. It sounds nasty. It kind of hurts a little bit, but it can get things moving. And for a lot of people, it can be enough to get labor started. For me, that was not the case. And we kind of knew that I was super high, like carrying really high. At one of my appointments, I was like, did I drop? Did the baby drop? Nope, you're still at one. Yeah. <laughs> and the doctor was like, uh, no, I don't think the baby's dropped yet. And Drew like caught my eye. I was like, dang it. And so we did that. And then around 40 weeks was when I started doing more of like the squats, drinking the raspberry leaf tea, doing the deed, bouncing on the medicine ball. The deed? What are you, like a grandma? <laughs> this is a PG podcast. <laughs> Just things that could potentially help. I, I pumped a little bit because nipple stimulation can help. Like Just little things like that where I wasn't necessarily like eager to induce, but I was like, if I can help my body along a little bit, I will. And so around 40 weeks, I started doing that. And then we were definitely going overdue. So One of the things that was really fun is on our last weekend together, we did like a special cocoa day and it one kept me busy being overdue and like kept me mentally just kind of with my first baby. But we did all of her favorite things. We took her to the aquarium. We went to the Clifford movie. We took her to the beach. We went and ate pasta. Like we had a really special weekend with her. And I think it was cool for us as parents to like savor that last weekend with her. I mean, when she's with me, it's pretty much a vacation anyways. But um, no, it was it was good to spoil her and see her kind of like just loving on us and us loving on her and knowing that things were changing a little bit, but she's still going to be, you know, our, our, our first baby. <laughs> um, but no, it was nice to spoil her a little extra. Yeah. So then... The next week rolled around and I was pretty much done with work. So that's when I started to get bored because it's like I was fine when I was busy with work. But once my team was like, you're out, we're good. It was good. It was necessary for me to take that week to slow down before having the baby because I have a hard time turning my brain off and I have a hard time shutting off. So it was actually a beautiful transition of like working like one to two hours a day and kind of starting to rest and enjoying those last days of pregnancy. So we had the schedule induction. I was going to be induced on Thursday. And our plan was that my parents were going to come over Wednesday night. My dad was going to watch Coco for us while me, my mom and Drew were in the hospital. And so it was fun on Wednesday night. They came over, we ordered pizza. We all hung out with Coco. We were all playing games with her. And then my mom gave me a foot rub and my mom's foot rubs are magic. They're magical. Your mom is magical. It's true. It's an extension of your mom. Yes. So she took a reflexology class years ago and she's really good at foot rubs and she knows all the places. And I swear, I swear, mom, you can take credit for it. I swear her foot rub got labor going because the baby was like going nuts in my belly. Like we had, my shirt was pulled up and you could just see my belly moving like crazy during the foot rub. And so we went to bed that night. We tucked Coco in, gave her so many kisses. We prepped her so well. Like she knew mommy has a baby in her belly. Mommy's going to the hospital. Nana and Papa will take care of me. Mommy and daddy will bring baby home and I'll be a big sister. She would like tell us that story in her baby monitor at night, like word for word what was going to happen. So it was safe to say that we had prepared her mentally. 
Yeah. And then we went to bed on Wednesday night. Our hospital bags were all ready to go. We were ready for the induction. We were supposed to just call in on Thursday morning to see when we could come in. And then that night we go to bed and I wake up around midnight and I was like wide awake just thinking about everything. And so I was reading a book, which I've done very much over this pregnancy. Why are you shaking your head? How many books have you read in the last two months? A lot. Yeah. You're on fire. I know. I, I have my own book club. I just read books really fast. And so I was reading in the middle of the night and I had a contraction. I thought it was just the pizza wasn't sitting well or that I was nervous. And then I noticed it again. And it's interesting because because I was induced with cocoa, I'm not familiar with regular contractions. So then I was like, well, I should probably start tracking them. So I had an app on my phone and I started tracking them. And I was just laying and reading my book. And all of a sudden, a thing pops up on my app. And it's like, you should prepare to get ready for the hospital. So it was looking at how long they were and how far apart they were. So I just laid there. I was like, they're not painful. I'm fine. I kept timing them. And then it was like, prepare for the hospital again. And I hadn't woken up anyone yet. And then I kept timing them. And then it was like, leave for the hospital now. And I was like, oh, crap. Okay, I think this is real. So then I woke up Drew. And I was like, I think you might want to shower early. I think I'm in labor do you want to get ready to go? And then I went down and woke up my mom just to let her know too. So I was sitting by my bed, reading my book, bouncing on the ball and kind of getting ready, which was crazy that it happened the night before. I've heard that happens a lot, actually. Really? I just heard that like people, once they finally schedule an induction, the baby's like, don't force me out. I'm coming on my own. I don't know. Quinn just being stubborn. Yeah. So we called the hospital. (laughs) The phone call took like 10 minutes, which I understand. They have to like triage you and ask you a million questions. But I was literally having contractions in our garage because I didn't want to wake up my dad and Coco was sleeping and the dogs were sleeping. And so I'm like in the garage having contractions, trying to answer these questions. And then the lady is like, okay, I think you should come in. Like, okay, obviously. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for the advice. (laughs) So we loaded up the car and kissed my parents goodbye. And then what do we do on our way into the hospital? We got to get Starbucks. <laughs> Big Starbucks people. So Starbucks opened at 5.30 and... 5.25, 5.20 we roll in. We're like, eh, let's get in line. Yeah. So we <laughs> sat in the drive-thru and we waited and we got a latte and I got some oatmeal because it was basically my last meal before going in. And that was pretty sweet. Way different than your last meal of cocoa though. Yeah. Well, yeah, I had frozen pizza (laughs) (laughs) at 5 a.m. I mean, I kind of regret that I went into labor in that I couldn't have my leftover pizza from the night before. However, it was probably better that I didn't. Oatmeal is probably a more sustainable uh, snack for me. So we went to Starbucks, got to the hospital, checked in, and then we basically got things going. So when we got in, they started tracking and I was still having contractions, which was awesome. Honestly, I just think it's so cool that I got to experience laboring at home. It wasn't really painful, but it was just, I don't know, it was something I had wanted to experience. And I'm just thankful that like my body was telling me like, it's ready. I felt good about that. And then I felt good that the contractions were still happening when I got there. Cause I don't know, there's just something about feeling like you're crying wolf or like that you're wrong about your body. And so it was cool. And they were like, yep, they're about six to seven minutes apart and they were still happening. And so that was really reassuring as well. And so then we were so pumped because our OBGYN was working that day, which is partially why she scheduled our induction. And so she, what, what did you make a face? Juiced her pants. Did you not hear that? No. Sorry. 
That's okay. You're fine. She looks good. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I just thought you heard it. No. I didn't hear that. So our doctor was working that day and we love her. And so we were super pumped that she was on. And so when I got in, I was only at like a centimeter and a half. I mean, I hadn't even really progressed. Maybe I was at a two. And then they were talking about different methods to dilate me further. And I was a little worried that we were going to have to do a more extreme method. And then our doctor just walks in and she was like, it was at like 7.50, 8.30, 8.30 in the morning. She's like, sorry, honey, 8.24. is <laughs> according to Drew's notes. She walked in and she was like, hey, do you want to break your water? And I was like, Oh, I had no idea that was an option. And she's like, let's do it. Let's get things going, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It was just like, let's go. Party started. Let's, and I know your efficiency. You're like, let's, let's get it done. So we did start Pitocin. So for those unfamiliar, Pitocin is used when you're being induced. It is the oxytocin, basically the hormone that tells your body it's time to have contractions and labor. And I had to use Pitocin with cocoa as well. So they had started me on Pitocin. But the cool thing about this time around is since I was already in labor, the amount of Pitocin they had to use was way less than what we had to use with cocoa to get labor going. So that was awesome. Then we broke my water, which was great just to get things moving. It helps the baby move down lower and kind of gets more things happening. So we broke my water. And then I was just having contractions and we had an awesome, awesome nurse. Kelsey, if you're listening to this, you are amazing. We really, really loved you. And she was just super awesome at communication and very just awesome. We loved her. And so we had texted my mom when my water was broke just because things can happen pretty quickly. So right when we broke my water, I was like, text my mom, tell her to come in, get her ready just so that she was ready. So she was on the way and that was great as well. And then I basically just labored for a while. I decided to not go in the bathtub this time, which I think surprised you a little bit. Yeah. You loved that last time. Why not? I don't know. It just didn't sound good to me. And we were cleared to do it. So after your water's broke, sometimes you can't get in the tub, but I was cleared to do it. But it just, things felt different this time around. Like certain things that I wanted last time, I did not want this time, like sitting in the tub. And it just, it was a lot of work to get me in the tub last time. And then once I got in there, I was like, I don't know. And so I think I was just a little more minimalistic potentially. I remember for Coco's birth, you were laboring in there and there's a picture I posted on my Instagram, me watching the uh, Packer game. <laughs> I wanted him to watch a Packer game because he kept talking to me. And I was like, stop <laughs> talking. <laughs> like when you're in pain and people are like trying to like make jokes, it's like actually not funny. So this time around, I would just say one's coming on and then everyone would kind of get quiet. Would, like close your eyes and like do your thing. We're like, okay, everybody, everybody shush. <laughs> <laughs> but I am not a mean person when I'm in pain. Not at all. Yeah. I feel like I feel like there were times where I felt like I was short, like with my mom. Like she'd be like, Do you want me to rub your feet or anything? I'd be like, Don't touch me. But like not in like a negative way, just like I just didn't feel good or I just didn't want anyone to like be bothering me. But honestly, the contraction I handled the contractions really, really well up until later on. So I think 
uh, let's see here. I was at three centimeters and they brought in a yoga ball and I was kind of bouncing on the ball because I was just in the phase of like, what's going to keep things moving forward? I just didn't want to stall out. So I was standing up for contractions. I was leaning over the bed and then we did the yoga ball. I was bouncing on the ball and there were signs that things were moving ahead, which just felt really promising because I think there's nothing worse than being in pain and going through contractions and then having them check you and be like, oh yeah, you're still the same. You Nothing, nothing progressed. So I was at a three and I was on the yoga ball. And then about an hour and a half later, I'd made the call to get an epidural. And I had an epidural with cocoa and I was trying to hold out as long as I could because I, again, didn't want to stall things. I like, wanted to keep things moving. And I was at about five centimeters when I got the epidural. And basically, once I made the call, it was like, cause I started getting pretty, like it, things got a little dicey. Like I threw up, my contractions were getting really close together because of the Pitocin. So they were hitting every two minutes. So I just felt like I wasn't getting any relief cause they were like hitting hard. And I was kind of starting to like groan and stuff, which I do not do. Yeah. I was just going to say, bef- we were talking about it before and how you were managing the contractions. Like they would show it on the chart as a super high arch yeah. and you're like, uh, I'm good. Like they're like, you should have been like, writhing in pain right there and you're not so you were like taking it like a champ yeah i have a really high pain tolerance and a a lot of people mentioned that when they were watching what was going on yeah because it could see the numbers rising and you weren't like flinching as much as you probably as you should have been i guess yeah so once i started once things got a little dicey then i was like i think i'm ready for the epidural and my nurse was like i'm honestly glad you're getting one because I'm going to feel really bad when I have to keep turning things up for you to make it like it's going to make it unbearable for you. So she was she was also happy that I got it. So then we called in the anesthesiologist. He came in. This is where the story gets kind of interesting. So plot plot shift. (laughs) So. I get the epidural. My mom was able to stay in the room because she was my doula. And for those who don't know too, my mom was a nursing instructor for 33 years. So literally from when I was born, she became a nursing instructor. She taught on the OB floor for almost a decade. She's super versed medically. And so it was awesome that she was also my doula just because she knew everything that was going on. So my mom stayed in the room when I got my epidural. I was having really intense contractions, but I was able to stay super still. I was just really excited for the relief. And then I got my epidural, Drew was out of the room, and it was only working on half of my body. And it hurt worse having relief on half of my body than none of my body because it just felt like half of me was splitting apart. And so we Drew had texted because he was kind of worried. Like, are you guys okay? Because he had been out of the room for like 40 minutes probably. Yeah. At least for like 45 minutes. I was like, are you all right? Yeah. And so my mom was like, you can come back in the room. And they had me laying on my side to see if the epidural would scoot into the right spot. And I was just like in a animalistic like moaning phase because it was just it felt like I was being ripped into and so I asked my mom when I wasn't having a contraction I was like what are they gonna have to do to get this to work and she's like I think they're gonna have to redo the entire epidural so so Drew all of a sudden we're talking I'm in pain I'm on my side facing away from Drew all of a sudden I hear him say I don't feel well. I think I'm going to throw up. And he sits in the chair. (laughs) Do you want me to... No, it's fun to laugh about it now because I was just like, 
not in a good place. Okay, do you want me to tell you, this part? You, okay. You probably are so, more yeah. than I am. So he says, I think I'm going to throw up. And so I'm like, mom, grab the, grab the garbage, grab the garbage. And so she grabs a garbage can and I see him leaning forward, which is something you do that is the worst. At least I was sitting down. At least you were sitting down and at least you told us you didn't feel well. And I saw him start to lean forward and I was like, mom, mom, get over to him. Don't let him tip over. Don't let him fall over. Were my eyes like shut? I don't even know. But my mom ran over to him as he was passing out. And I literally see my mom's pretty small. She's pretty petite. Her like throwing all of her weight into Drew and pushing him back into the chair because you almost took a header like into either my bed or the table or something like you were going to, you were going down. And here I am like paralyzed on half of my body. The epidural is only working halfway and I'm freaking out and I'm not thinking straight. So I'm trying to get up to help my mom because I'm scared that she's not going to be able to hold Drew back or they're going to fall over or like something. And I couldn't find my call button. That call button kept falling off of my bed like a million times. I was dangling there. So I'm like, where's my call button? Where's my call button? So then finally I got the call button. I was like, my husband passed out and in runs our OB. You could hear them all like, oh, not again. Four nurses. Everyone comes running into my room. And here's the thing. That's the saving grace about this part of the story, which will continue is that in me trying to help Drew and kind of jumping up, I must have adjusted my epidural or like tweaked it or done something where all of a sudden I was no longer in pain. Oh, hi, baby. Here, you can hand her over to me. So I was all of a sudden, I was like, oh, wait, I feel relief. But here, Drew is getting held, his feet are held in the air by all of the nurses they have ice packs. They're putting cold washcloths on him. He was past, He was out for a while. And my mom was like tapping his face like, Drew, Drew, wake up, wake up. And she said like, he was kind of seizing. Like you were, you were out, out, out. What did it feel like when you woke up? It's the worst feeling ever. It's like waking up from a nightmare and you see these people around you. Everything is fuzzy. I was dripping sweat, yet I was cold. It was like, that has, it's like the flu almost, but it's like where it's the worst. I've, it's, I've had a history of fainting and this was one of the worst ones, honestly. Oh, this, I think, I mean, out of all the times I've witnessed you faint, which is a lot in our decade, this was the worst. How many, uh, how many times do you think I've passed out? Uh, over. <laughs> so... Then you need to post one of the video because Jenna's in her bed, like looking at me, like, Are you kidding me? Like, not again. Not that's what I thought you were looking at me, like, but maybe she was nice and comforting. But, anyways, she's recording this, and the nurse is like holding my feet up, and I'm sitting there with a washcloth on my forehead. And okay, here's why because Drew had been like videoing me all day, and then I didn't have any phones around me, and I was like, Kelsey, can you grab me a phone? Because I want to get this on video. Like, you can get me having contractions, but like, I'm not leaving this out of the story. So I didn't care. I was really worried about Drew. Like, ask anyone that was in there. I was not mad at him at all. I was super worried because I just felt so bad. And like, you get so in your head about things. Tell, tell like, say what you think. You explain it. Because you explained it with visualization, how I, oh. in my brain, like go to the worst place. Well, here's the funny thing. So 
you would think that if somebody passed out during birth, it'd be like when somebody's pushing or if there's a lot of blood or like nothing was happening when he passed out. So like literally there was nothing happening except for we were talking about an epidural. So like Drew's brain connects dots too far sometimes. Like the one time you passed out during an ultrasound, it was like you were thinking about like the insides of my body, (laughs) you know? So like, so... I understand that you just have a very powerful brain and a powerful imagination, but I felt so bad because one, I couldn't like get out of bed or anything, but two, I just knew you'd be like embarrassed about it or like feel bad about it just because like you didn't want the focus to be on you. And we all had a good laugh. Like it was, it, it was comical. Our OB brought in like a, a sucker, a bunch of suckers of bouquet and like they had juice for him and a sandwich and a banana and like all these things. And like, honestly, it's super common. We found out afterwards that I, like somebody thought like one out of four husbands fainted or something. I just felt super bad that I was going to miss because you were like ready to push. You were like, I'm feeling pressure. I'm ready to go. And I'm like, let me step out for a minute. So, well, at 1250, it was when only like half of the epidural was at one o'clock. Drew passed out. And then I was like at five centimeters at that point. And then we used what's called a peanut ball. It's like a big ball that goes between your legs. that just helps you dilate. And so Drew was like laying in a chair with a washcloth over his head, resting. My mom was kind of resting. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I know this feeling. It's pressure. It's time to start pushing. And so my nurse came in and I was like, I think I feel pressure. And I was like, maybe I should get checked soon. But I like looked over at Drew and he was still pretty green. And I was like, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. <laughs> You're very nice to me. Yeah. So things got a little bit questionable if drew would be in the room because i didn't think i was going to make it i honestly didn't think i was going to be able to stand up during your pushing phase so i'm like let me step out of here you guys get situated and then your mom came in our ob came in and gave me a little prep a little like pre-game warm-up they're like we're doing this you're having a baby and i was like literally crying i was emotional i was like i don't want to miss this i feel like such a a dork not being in there right now. So I composed myself and went back in. They had a little station set up for me. They we had, had a, a we had a plan because I, I was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Nobody use any medical terms in front of Drew. We're going to cover me up when he walks into the room so that he can't can't see anything we had a stool in the corner of the room with pillows all around it and then my mom was like i'm gonna like hold him up i'll hold him up we got this so he came back into the room and i was at a 10 and it was so funny too because my ob came in to check me and she's like you are ready to go and i was like uh can we wait like a few minutes i just i want to wait for drew to feel okay and she's like this is your birth you can do whatever you need to do it's like let's just uh wait a little bit which is not very common when you're at 10 centimeters you're like ready to rock and so we were later you started pushing okay so i waited 20 i held the baby in for 28 minutes for you babe that's a that's a gift that's pretty nuts yeah so drew gets in and one of the things i really wanted was to just have like a little video clip when coco was born my sister took like three 10 second clips of like video and they're like my most treasured video and so i set up my phone on a little tripod just angled at my face and i hit record and then started pushing and 
I pushed for two and a half minutes total and she came out there. I love pushing. I know that is the weirdest thing. It's like, I'm very gifted at it. If there could be like a gold medal in pushing, I would probably win. It's insane. You're like an Olympic record in, uh, in pushing. <laughs> There's something to be said about being induced and you're not really in control of many aspects of your birth. So when it comes time to like take charge, I love it. And I also think I have really strong muscles from like CrossFit and stuff. So who's the control freak here? What do you mean? You can't control. Well, yeah, but like I'm just meaning like I'm in control of my body. My body's not being forced medically to do things. I get to choose when I push. I was trying to make a joke and it didn't land. It didn't land. (laughs) But two and a half minutes, which is crazy because I pushed for 10 minutes with Coco. It was funny because one of the nurses, we had a revolving door of nurses that came in to check on us and they would be like, oh, you only push for two minutes. And they're like, you must have taken longer for your first daughter, right? You're like, no, it was more like 10 minutes. They're like, holy crap. Yeah. Superwoman. It was it was good. And I was really excited to see what the baby was, boy or girl. I was also really nervous about post-delivery because with Coco, that was when a lot of the complications happened. So with Coco, I hemorrhaged and just had a few different things that went down afterwards. And so I think I was a little bit more conscious about like what was about to happen after pushing. Okay, so one of my favorite things about this time around is the video of what that looked like. And it's just hilarious because I literally hit record on my camera, look at the doctor. I'm like, all right, let's go. And then I start pushing and then out she comes and I'm the one that yells. I said, what is it? It's a girl. And that moment, like, what does that moment feel like for you? Super emotional. I there's a picture of us looking and we're just like shocked and crying and like it's here finally here it's such a cool cool experience and the the video is just like I always cry looking at it what did you think when you found out it was a girl happy I was very happy I love I don't know the idea of two girls just two little best buddies is so cool a boy would have been amazing too because I've I wanted a boy beforehand and everything but I don't know two girls just sound super cute you're a girl dad. And I, it's funny too. I've always wanted girls. I think because I have such a cool relationship with my mom and I also have a very close relationship with my sister. And I don't know, I've just always loved girls. And then after having Coco, that just solidified it. And so my dream was to have two girls. So seeing that she was a girl, I was honestly like more surprised than I thought I would be. And like, just so excited. It was such a cool moment. We were laughing and like, it was just so joyful. It was like amazing. And I think too, it was so awesome because our OB got to deliver her. Shout out to Brianne Brant Griffith, BBG. If you live in the Duluth area, we highly recommend her. But she was awesome because it just felt good having our sole provider deliver because she knew my history and everything like that. And she just has such a cool energy. And so it was just super special. And then super special having my mom. My mom was definitely holding on to Drew. So they were like a little duo right next to me. And it was just like... Oh, it was so magical. Your mommy's very supportive uh, physically, mentally, (laughs) and uh, emotionally. She was your personal doula. And so then I was a little bit nervous for like, again, the afterbirth. So they ended up giving me a shot of something. I don't know the medical term for helping me not hemorrhage, which I'm so grateful that they proactively did that because it was looking a little bit like I was going to have a similar outcome. And so that medical intervention was really, really helpful for me. 
And I think it was also helpful in my recovery. And then I was very nervous about delivering my placenta because of our cord complication. And so that when that went well, uh, that was a huge relief as well. And that went really smoothly. And what happened is, is that we actually found out that we had another complication with my placenta, which we didn't even know about. It was, I don't know how to say it. I think it's like Vladimus cord, which is in like 1% of pregnancies where basically your umbilical cord has three different, gosh, I don't even know how to describe it. Trunks. Yeah, like main veins. <laughs> looks like a tree My trunk. brain won't work. But basically it was like a separated cord. So two of the vessels met up and they couldn't see that on the ultrasounds. And so it was actually a huge blessing that we probably didn't know about that because it was a greater complication that thankfully didn't cause us any issues. But even my doctor was super shocked when we saw that come out because we were so grateful that we were able to carry it a term, have a healthy baby. My placenta looked super healthy and everything, but it was wild to see that on the outside because that could have caused a lot of issues and or if we had known about it, we probably would have had to deliver early. When Quinn came out, she looked so tiny. We were like all convinced that she was going to be way smaller than Coco. She looked like a peanut. But she actually weighed more. So Coco weighed seven pounds, six ounces, and Quinn weighed seven pounds, 11 ounces. So she was actually bigger than Coco, which we were like super, super surprised about. Anything else about when she came out or like the first few moments? Nothing about when she first came out, but I wanted to go back to the uh, the part when I passed out and the epidural and how that was like the uh, game changer of the day. I just wanted to say, you're welcome, honey. He's taking credit for the epidural working. I'll give it to him, but I could have done without a fainting husband and holding the baby in longer. How long after Quinn was born did you say the term the girls? And we like oh, both like, yeah. like, oh, that's so cute. I said something about like I think that might have been yeah. that night. Yeah, it was just like it hit me like we have two girls. Kind of our dreams come true. And it was awesome, too, because everything afterwards just went really smoothly. We were able to kind of just enjoy the baby and not worry too much about everything else. I did require stitches again, but it wasn't super intense. It was very similar to with Coco, and they kind of said they could tell where I'd gotten stitched up with Coco. So that was not super traumatizing either. And then one of the best things about having a baby again is I feel like everyone kind of leaves you alone more. It's like less of a revolving door, even though it's still crazy. But like, I felt like people gave us our space way quicker this time around. And also probably because I didn't have all the complications afterwards, we were kind of able to like, just kind of look at each other and enjoy the moment and enjoy the baby. And it was just kind of nuts. And then my mom left to head home so that she could be with my dad and Coco. They had a super fun day. They like went to the mall together and just she Coco did so well while we were at the hospital and we were able to FaceTime her a couple times and chat with her. And then we ordered our favorite pizza. So we had delivered in time to have dinner because Coco came at midnight. So we were kind of screwed on the food front. This time around, Quinn, I started pushing at 258. She came out at three o'clock in the afternoon, which was awesome. And we were able to have our same nurse and our doctor on with us, which was really cool. And then we got pizza luce and Drew fed me pizza while I was feeding the baby. It was just a hilarious moment. I was like, make sure you dip it in the ranch. That pizza was really good. It's always delicious. And a gluten-free artichoke dip. Mm, So good. I think what you were saying before too, about having your second child, it's like, you're like, you feel more prepared 
and you feel like oh, we've done this before, you know, it's going to be a long night of no sleeping our first night, obviously. But like knowing that going in, it makes it a little more smooth and you just kind of feel like you're you're ready. You're kind of mm-hmm. ready, obviously, to, to go home, but you're ready for like the initial. Let's do this. We got this. You like exuded confidence this time around and like even just like picking her up, changing her diapers. Like it's just a different rodeo. Like you just yeah, you were just like, oh, this just feels so natural. Like I, you were surprised at how it was just, it just came right back to us. Mm-hmm. Which it's, is cool. it's really cool. Yeah. Very uh, awesome moment there. Just us, us three. So we're going to do kind of a lightning round of just a few questions that people sent in. We were able to leave the hospital within 24 hours. So initially speaking, I thought that I wanted to stay two days just because I knew that the minute I get home, I'm going to be with Coco and she's going to want me to hold her and carry her. She loves when I carry her around. And I was just a little bit worried about like actually resting my body and healing. But then we realized how crappy those beds are and how uncomfortable they are. And right away, Drew was like, can we please go home soon? And so I told him, as long as my mom's willing to stay with us, we can head home, which was awesome. So we like wanted to bust out of there. We were like packing up our bags like at the 20 hour mark. And we were so grateful because... Quinn passed all of the hearing tests and all the Billy Rubin screenings and like everything like that with flying colors. So it was really a blessing to like be able to just like get out of there. And we, our nurse was like really on board with us. Like we're like, we're ready to go home. We just want to get home, which was awesome. And then we called your mom. We're like, Nana, is it cool if we come home? Can you spend the weekend? She's like, oh yeah, I would, I'll be there. The only thing I have to do is Sunday night. I got to leave. I'm like, sweet. We got like three days with you yes. then. Yes. It was just nice having an extra set of hands. And like, we are just so conscious of like Coco's transition. So it was really wonderful having like someone that we could like hand the baby off to, or like Coco could go on a walk with Nana and like, they have such a cool bond too. So it just felt like a really seamless transition. So it was fun. So we left at 24 hour mark, which was different. So one of the first questions was things we did intentionally different this time around. I was way less anxious this time around towards the end. So I wasn't as stressed out or trying to induce labor. We left the hospital sooner this time around. Trying to think of anything else that we did differently. Otherwise, we kind of kept everything pretty much the same. You're talking about the entire pregnancy, like the whole... No, just like the birth. Just the birth. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much the same thing. Just we... So nice going in already doing it mm-hmm. and being induced to helped with the whole mindset, I think. Yeah, I was surprised at how anxious I was about leaving Coco for some reason, because it's not like we haven't traveled and stuff. But I think usually my mom is like the main caregiver if Coco's with my parents and my dad is the best. He is such a great papa. And so I was just a little nervous about Coco feeling comfortable just being with papa and knowing kind of what was going on because she's pretty emotional. She's very in touch with her emotions. And so I just wanted her to be prepped. So it's kind of funny because I feel like that was something that was like stressing me out. And the thought of going into spontaneous labor and like leaving her in the middle of the night and having her wake up, like not knowing we were going to be gone was really nerve wracking to me. So the way that everything panned out was like literally perfect in that she knew we were going to the hospital regardless. And that was awesome. Okay. Favorite and least favorite moments. My favorite moment definitely was yelling. It's a girl. And just having that final, I don't know. It just, I felt complete in a way that like I prayed I would feel that way. I felt like our family was complete. What was your favorite moment? 
Well, my least favorite moment was passing out. And my most favorite moment was waking up from passing out and knowing that I was like alert and ready and just, I don't know. You weren't ready at all. No, no, no. Once I came back in the room after my prep. Okay. Okay. My pregame warm up with our OB. Okay. I was like, you didn't think you were ready at all. I was like laying there for like 10 minutes, 20 minutes. (laughs) Pondering life. But no, that moment of, of Quinn coming out was literally... The second coolest thing that's ever happened in my life. Yeah. And yeah, my least favorite moment was definitely when I was half numb, half in pain and trying to help my husband not crack his head open. (laughs) Playlist music we had on. Tell me what happened there. That was kind of funny. I know. So same thing with Coco. I created a Spotify playlist with a bunch of like calming music and also a little Beyonce. But all kinds of jams for us to listen to. And for some reason, the Bluetooth kept cutting out and we couldn't connect my phone, your phone to the speaker. And it kept cutting out and I would just have to go back to it and grab it. I'm like, I don't I don't want to be in my phone right now, but the music's not working. It's so quiet in here. So it's kind of a, a kind of a weird little uh, buzzkill there without our music. But again, Nana had a speaker. So my mom brought brought a speaker, but it was actually it ended up being a blessing in disguise because Hillsong United playlist worked for some reason, which I think was just God's way of like play worship music. And so Quinn was born to worship music, which actually makes me very teary eyed. And I can hear the song playing when I like announce it's a girl. So now I'm just going to ball every time I hear that song. But I actually really liked it because I know all the words to those songs. And so like when I was having contractions, I was just like focusing on the music. And I think having that on was way better than having Beyonce on. So I think it was just a God thing. God God interfered in a cool way. Okay. People were asking, what was our name for a boy? We, like we're both shaking our head. We could not, could not land on a name that we loved. Quinn was actually one of our top contenders when we were pregnant with Coco. And the fact that we liked it three years later was like such clarity of like, I think this is it. We had other girl names that we had thrown around. We really liked the name June. There's a couple different names that we really liked, but Quinn was always just a constant. And so that one felt like very clarifying. And I love her name, boy names, even up until the day before we went in. So you can share what our name was. Charlie. Yeah. I like Charlie. Yeah. Classic, strong, bold name. Yeah. Charlie and Coco sounded good together. My dad's middle name is Charles. That was what we were going to do. Carson had been a contender, but like we didn't love any of them or either of them. And like even the night before, like somebody asked us and I was just like, we don't know. And even our nurses were like, do you have names? And we were like, uh, so that was kind of uh, interesting. But a lot of people were asking, what were our boy names? Let's see here. So we hospital bag recommendations. Uh, so we actually packed really well this time. And there was a few things that came in clutch that I didn't expect. So one of my friends had just given birth and posted about like a little fan that you could have in your room, like that had little arms that you could put on your hospital bed. And I didn't use it during labor, but I actually used it after labor. And I was like having kind of like hormonal sweats and stuff. And that was amazing. So that was something we didn't have the first time. And then the thing I forgot was my nice like bath soaps and stuff. So I brought like good shampoo and stuff, but I forgot good bath soap. So I ended up using Johnson and Johnson soap in the tub. And like afterwards, after you give birth, like your shower is just the most sacred shower of your life. Felt so good. But I was like, dang it, I wish I would have brought a nice towel and I would wish I would have brought like a better body wash so that I wasn't using the baby stuff. Was there anything that was clutch that you brought for you? I mean, I think your own pillow and blanket is very, very huge. Just a little bit of comfort in that sterile environment is nice. 
And we brought a white noise machine, which was also super helpful for all of us, which was good. White noise, Bluetooth speaker, just comfortable clothes, all the chargers. Yeah, all the chargers. Oh, and we brought a Polaroid camera, which we did with Coco too. And like those pictures are so priceless. Like we just snapped like 10 of them before we left and I always cherish those. And so that was kind of special too. What would you say, someone asked, how was it having my mom as a doula? The best thing I literally could have asked for. She's not only, yeah, I'm speechless. Your mom is just the best. She is the best. And I, I'm just so grateful that she got to experience it with us. And like her presence is just so special. And it was cute. Like after Quinn came out, she's like, I'm going to leave and give you guys a few minutes. And we're like, stay like, you're not taking away from the moment. Like you're a part of this. Like she's very much just a part of our family unit in a very natural way. And so, yeah, she was, it was very special having her with, and I just, treasure the fact that she got to be there with us it was like the perfect place for your mom to be she already has like her hospital background her birth background and all of that and she is so loving to us it was like she probably wouldn't have wanted have been anywhere else and it was it was a dream come true for her and a dream come true for us yeah i had a moment in my shower after birth where i was just thinking about like that would be like someday like me getting to be in the room when Quinn or Coco gives birth and like how crazy to see your baby have a baby. And like I got super emotional because I was just thinking about that. And she's like, it's so wild because you're like reliving your own birth while watching your child have a birth- baby. It's just like oh, crazy going to make me cry. Okay. The last thing that we'll share a little bit. So first few days. So we're almost a week in. We were trying to be very thoughtful when we introduced the girls to each other. Oh the girls. <laughs> and so we came home and we were super pumped because Coco was taking her nap. So we got to wake her up from her nap. But Coco is a huge feeler. Like she is a very empathetic, emotionally in touch little girl. And we talk a lot about feelings in our house. And we, we really encourage her to share how she's feeling and what's going on. And so we went to wake her up from her nap and my mom was holding the baby. And we, my mom was downstairs And Coco was just, you could tell something had hit her emotionally. Like, I think she registered that we had been gone, that things were about to change. And so we went to wake her up from her nap and she just kind of laid in her bed and was just kind of emotional. And so her and I had like this moment where I just held her and rocked her. Oh, it was so sweet. Oh, I love it. She was laying face down for like 25 minutes. Well, she just, you could tell she was just processing and like, we weren't rushing her. We were just sitting there rubbing her back. And then we said, you know there's somebody downstairs that wants to meet you whenever you're ready. And then Drew left the room and I just sat in the dark with her and rocked her. It was like, oh my God, my first baby. Oh, she seemed so big too. I like picked her up out of her crib and I was like, oh my gosh, she's huge. So then I kind of talked to her for a little bit, asked her how she was feeling. And then we were a little nervous because we were just like, oh, if she's already feeling off, this might be interesting. And the second she saw the baby, she was talking a mile a minute. She was so excited. She said that she's like, I want to show her my puzzle. I want to read a book to her. I want to sing her a song. I want to show her my puppy. And like, she just was so excited to see the baby, which was honestly, what was it like seeing your first baby meet your second baby? It was so cool. Once she got over the emotion of having a new person in the house, she was just, you could tell they're already going to be best friends and already going to have like this bond and her emotion in it all. It's just the cutest thing. And I don't know. It's She's I, so I, tender. Like yeah. she's so like, 
Ugh. we come downstairs and the first thing she says is, can I hold the baby? Yes. And even if it's for like three seconds, it's like she wants to be in her life and wants to be like yeah. physically involved with her. And it's so cool. Yeah, she's been doing so well. The adjustment's been amazing. And like she's just been... I think we prepared her really well, but I think she's just super mature for her age as well. And so she's been really gentle. She'll get me diapers and wipes. Last night we went on our first family outing to Dairy Queen because I really wanted a blizzard. And I sat in the back between the girls and Quinn was crying, which is super rare. She literally barely, I mean, she's probably cried collectively in the last week for 10 minutes total, if that. And she was crying in her car seat and Coco reached over and rubbed my back. Like she was like, it's okay, mommy. Like where it's just like bananas that a almost three-year-old has that sort of compassion. But yeah, it's been awesome. We had a few sleepless nights and I like that was a little tricky adjusting to, but we were so happy that it's like, who cares what's sleep? We're good. But anyways, what would you say in closing, like how would you sum up this whole experience? Our family is now complete. We're moving on to the next season of our lives. What are you excited about? I don't know. Just moving forward, I keep telling you, I'm like, everything feels right. Everything feels natural. It's it's just, I don't know. I think we were kind of born to do this, like be mom and dad to two girls and just kind of like, I don't know. It's enjoy life with them, experience the life through them and relive things. And I don't know, it's, it's been literally like a dream come true. I know yesterday we had like the best day ever and it was such a simple day, but we would just like look at each other and I'd get all teary eyed of like, Oh my gosh, like, look at this. Like we're all cuddled in bed watching Curious George. And it was just like the most magical, simple thing in the world. Like nothing needs to be fancy. It's just so, I don't know. It feels so good. And I, I think just having been through it before and getting to know that like, this is our last, it just makes us like savor everything. Like every day, I'm just like, this is the last time I'll ever have a five day old. This is the last time. And it just makes you realize how quick everything goes. And so we are soaking every single minute up. And it's just crazy to think that Coco's not even three yet, but how little they are and how quickly they grow up in just this three-year period of time and how you expand that years and years in. And it's like, holy crap, they're going to be like going to middle school and high school and graduating so quickly. Walking them down the aisle. We need to like cherish all these cool like starting out days. I know. I think we do do a very good job of cherishing. And I think we have a very gifted opportunity that we all get to be together and do this all together. It's just, we're so lucky that this is our situation and that we're working through it. And so it's been wonderful. So Miss Quinn Louise, that my friends is your birth story. And just smiled. She literally just smiled. (laughs) What do you want Quinn someday when she's older and listens to this? What do you want her to know from her daddy? That he loves you very much and that um, you're always going to be surrounded by good people and good influences and everybody is obsessed with you. Queenie, you worked with me over the last year through some crazy projects and things that we did together. You've literally been my actual sidekick. And I am just so grateful that you complete our family and that I got my two girls and that you're healthy and beautiful and that you are the easiest baby on planet Earth. She's so easy in that, like, I mean, she's just a really great baby. We we struck out twice or right, struck out. We hit two home runs. Hit two home runs. Thank you. My brain is a little foggy. Hit two home runs with these girls. And so thank you. 
the girls. Thank you guys for supporting us and loving us. And this is the only episode I'll be recording on maternity leave. I'm going to be enjoying time with my sweet family. And I'm just, I feel so lucky to be their mama. So what do you think? Very proud of you, honey. Thank you. Good job. We built this. We made this. We made this. (laughs) Until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And we'll keep on soaking up all of the newborn snuggles over here. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home, and thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.